Well, praise the Lord. We're going to get into the word again. We are so glad to be able to bring you another good teaching. We miss you folks, and we're glad that you do have the opportunity to look in on what the word says. Uh, this evening, we want to go to Ezekiel chapter one, and we, we'd like to look at some of Ezekiel's vision that he had in the beginning of his ministry. Ezekiel chapter one, the first three verses. Now, we'll be all over the place, but we'll read the first three. It came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Kibar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kibar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, we are grateful that we can fellowship and look into the scriptures. I pray that all of those that are under the sound of my voice and watching this will receive something from this teaching in Jesus name. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, Ezekiel was a prophet during the period when Israel was in captivity. Israel, they were taken captive by the Babylonians because they refused to honor the Sabbath years as God had appointed for them. That means that the Lord raised up the Babylonians to come and bring them from Israel over into what we know today as modern Iraq, that region of Mesopotamia. So these prophecies in the book of Ezekiel are somewhere in the 6th century before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was born. From verse 1, you will notice that he was among the captives when this occurred. He was by the river. And it's at this point the heavens were open. Now God obviously knew where Ezekiel was the whole time. And that's why the Lord came to him. And, and I think when we read through these different prophets, it's important to understand that there's nowhere on this earth you can go that God doesn't know your address. And however much you grieve and however sad and unhappy you may be about the circumstances of your life, God hadn't forgotten about you. And he does have a way to get to you if he wants to. So it says at this point, the heavens were open. So we can say the skies were open, or we can think in a more spiritual way and say the heavens above were opened, and suddenly he began to see things that he could not normally see with his natural eye. Now, something similar to this happened back when Jesus was baptized. You remember John the Baptist was at the River Jordan. Jesus waded out into the waters, and the scripture says in Matthew chapter 3 that the heavens were open. John saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and then God spoke to him. Now, verse 3 tells us that the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. This man Ezekiel was a priest. He likely was the son of a priest. 
but God came and spoke directly to him. The reason this is important is because when people in the scripture are called prophets or watchmen, that ministry comes directly from the Lord. Now, I know it talks about Samuel and Elijah and Elisha having what we would call a school of prophets. And we have a boatload of people today all across this nation and around the world trying to take 12-hour seminars on how to prophesy and how to be a prophet. But I want you to understand that either God gives you a ministry or you don't have it. If he gives it to you, then you obviously are going to be able to handle everything that comes along with that. So in verse 3, God speaks to this gentleman, the hand of God was upon him. Now, anytime the hand of God is upon somebody, that's a God-touched man or woman, and they will be able to accomplish the task that God has given to them. God has never called anyone to do anything except along with the calling came the spiritual equipment to accomplish the task. So we often say, where God guides, he provides. If it's his will, it's his bill. Wherever there's a vision from the Lord, there is provision from the Lord. God always pays for the things that he orders. Ezekiel then, as a priest, having visions from the Lord, he's receiving visions that have never been seen before. And starting with verse 4, he sees a whirlwind coming out of the north. Now, the word whirlwind is what the old KJV people would describe as a tornado or something like that. Whenever we see a great cloud, a great cloud, of course, could represent uh, rain and blessing. But we know from chapter 3, I believe verse 23, somewhere in there, that this was a cloud of glory. Now, if we were to go to chapter 10, which we're not going to do, chapter 10 enlarges upon this entire vision here in chapter 1. So those two chapters go together. So he sees a whirlwind, he sees a cloud of glory, then he sees a fire enfolding itself. Now, now typically, of course, when we think of a, a fire and we think of a, a rush of oxygen into a room where there's a fire, you've seen plumes of smoke and you've seen the fire enfold itself before. The color amber here represents the yellowish orange color that comes out of the fire. We, we know that the colors very often have a lot to do with the intensity of the heat or the flame. If you've got a gas stove, you've probably seen that sometimes you've got a blue flame that comes out of that. Every now and then you see sparks of orange that are shooting through there. Well, amber is that orangish color that's in, connect, in connection with all of that. So out of the fire then comes these four creatures. I mean, they're, they're absolutely indescribable. And each of them have four faces, one of a man, a lion, an ox, an eagle. And then pretty soon, with all of these wings they got, they can go in all of these different directions, but with, with the burnished brass-looking feet that they have and going in different directions. He, he talks about some of them flying straight. He talks about times when the wings are moving. It's in Ezekiel chapter 10, I believe verse 20, that we learn these are cherubim. He's a cherubim. He tells us that, and maybe I should read that. 
In Ezekiel 10, verse 20, this is the living creature that I saw under the God of Israel by the river Kibar, and I knew that they were the cherubims. Now, I'm slowly laying a foundation because of where I'm going to take us as we look into chapter 2. So we've got living creatures. They emerge out of this flaming fire. Then, according to Ezekiel in verses 15 and 16, these wheels appear. And then he, he, he has the spirit of the Lord that is upon him at this time. And he's looking at divine order. He's looking at divine presence. He doesn't understand everything that he is seeing. Some of these things are difficult for him to even describe. But he does tell us in verse 26 of chapter 1 that up above all of these things he saw a throne. And you'll notice with that throne he saw somebody sitting on it. And then again, verse 27, it has the color of amber. Then he tells us in verse 28, he sees a bow that's in the cloud in the day of rain. And he says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. So I fell down on my face when I heard the voice. Now, what is all of this meaning in chapter one? Well, again, he's getting a, a picture of God's divine presence. He's getting a picture of divine order. He's seeing how things function, and he's seeing that atop all of this is God Jehovah, that God is sovereign, God is all-powerful, he's the one giving him the vision, he's the one in control of all of these things. So when we come into chapter 2, he says the voice tells him, stand up on his feet, and he receives his commission to go and preach to Israel, and God says to him concerning Israel, verses 3 all the way through the rest of the chapter, I'm sending you to a region and to a people that are totally out of order. So the first thing God does in the visions is introduce him to how things should function and to introduce him to what judgment could look like, what the cloud of glory could look like, what order should look like, what the, the operations of God under the throne should look like. And then he introduces them to these called these people that he's called to minister to. And he says, these folks are stiff hearted, impudent and stubborn. Everything about them is out of order. And I'm calling you to be a watchman, to speak the word of the Lord to them and talk to them. Now, How do I know he's called to be a watchman? Chapter three, verse 17. I've made you a watchman unto this house of Israel. So God's description of Israel in the natural is totally contrary to the obedient cherubim that we see in chapter 1, that are functioning according to God's divine plan. So then when we come to ch chapter 2, looking at verse 8, the Lord says to him, Don't be like rebellious Israel. Open your mouth, eat what I give you. And then the Lord provided a roll of a book, and he spread it before him. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, he's told to eat it. He's got to devour the lamentations and the woe. So the word of the Lord is going to be in him. So, so again, God says to, the, to uh, Ezekiel, you're dealing with a disorderly people. Don't be afraid of their faces. If you weren't intimidated by and fearful, looking at those living creatures, those cherubim, when you come in contact with Israel and they're frowning at you, don't be intimidated. Now, there are a whole lot of people that are intimidated by faces and countenances. And sometimes 
people in church don't, don't always give the best facial expressions. You know, there, there are people who, when they sit and listen to someone who's teaching, you can tell that as they're listening to you, that they are at home fixing a chicken. They're seizing in it, seasoning it, and they're looking after it. And then if, if you're like my mother-in-law used to be, and I hope she don't get hold of this, but, but she, she'd sit up in the choir stand down there at Jimmy Swaggers, and she'd do a grocery list while he was up there preaching. There's a, there's a lot of that that goes on on planet Earth. Sometimes people are kind enough to look like they're somewhat interested in what you're saying. But then there are other people They've got other things on their minds. But when Ezekiel has to go and reprove these people and speak to them about the nations of the world and unfold the prophecies of Scripture, you can imagine these folks didn't want to hear what he had to say. He's calling them to repent. He's telling them to turn from their iniquities, and they are not going to want to hear it, even when he illustrates it physically. So like the Scripture says, one time he laid on the side of his body... Uh, for a long period of time. And, and God's trying to get Israel's attention. Now, now let's go to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And this is the last book of the Bible. We have Cherubim that we just told you about. We run into Cherubim again in Revelation chapter 4, but I want you to go to chapter 1. I'm not going to work out all the similarities, but I do want you to see a few. Ezekiel prophesied about Israel in the last days, starting with chapters 35. He dealt with Palestine and that whole connection with the Arabs and the folks in there. In chapter 6, 36, I should say, he deals with the restoration of Israel. He prophesies about God calling them from the nations of the earth from whence they have been uh, living at this time. And they have been scattered there because they did not acknowledge nor revere the name of the Lord. And th chapter 37 tells us how this occurred. Ezekiel 37, he says, he stood in the midst of the valley and he began to preach to the dry bones. And then the bones came together again. And the Lord said, this is the nation of Israel. So we understand that after Jesus ascended to heaven, the Romans destroyed Israel for the first time in history. The vast majority of them were driven out of the land into the nations of the world. By the end of the 19th century, when Zionism was beginning, Later, when the Balfour, or Balfour Declaration was signed, the children of Israel started making their way back into the promised land. When that happened, God was setting in motion things that Ezekiel saw some 2,600 years before it occurred. Ezekiel furthermore saw in chapters 38 and 39 a great battle that would take place when Russia and the other nations aligned with it would make their way southward into Israel, but God would destroy them with his supernatural fire and the wrath of God would stop them as they tried it. So Ezekiel saw the nations. He had an image that was clear of what was going to take place in the end time. Well, so did John. Look at Revelation chapter 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his servants. Notice verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. 
And then you can see in verse number nine, I, John, also am your brother and companion in tribulation. Ezekiel was a captive. According to Revelation 1 verse 9, so was John. He was a prisoner on the island of Ephesus. Well, according to Ezekiel's prophecies, his word primarily was to people that had a covenant with God, the covenant children of Israel. Revelation 1 verse 4, John's message also was to the Christians that had a covenant with the Lord. According to Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel was a priest, and he was the son of Buzi. You can see in Revelation 1, verse number 6, John says about Jesus, He has made us kings and priests unto God our Father. And then also you can see that Ezekiel, he ate the roll, and the roll contained lamentations and woe. And you can see in Revelation chapter 10, verse number 9, John says, I went to the angel and said, give me the little book. And he said to me, take it, eat it up. It'll make your belly bitter and it'll be in your mouth sweet as honey. And verse 11 said, you must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. So we can see both of these individuals were priests in the sense that they were mediating God's word to the people. Both of these individuals were captive. Both of these individuals were called to minister to people that had a covenant with God, and both of them had insight to the future. They understood what was going to take place. And this is why when we look at the book of Revelation, you can see that once all of these things begin to unfold, that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be terrified by what they see. Now, we that are Christian we don't worry about such things because we know God has a plan for each of us. But here is the thing with Ezekiel. Ezekiel could prophesy and preach like he did because of what he saw. I'm convinced that many Christians, if they don't have visions of God in the word, they will not confidently witness for the Lord with conviction. I'm convinced that preachers that don't have a genuine vision of God, where they see God supernaturally in the scripture and see God supernaturally in the lives of other people. I doubt that they will ever open up their mouth and proclaim God's word as it should be done. And so they'll be dismayed by faces and they'll run the, the church and their life and their Christian experience on poles and if all the polls say no one's talking about sin today or talking about the cross, they'll set the cross aside. But one of the things Jesus wanted John to do was to write to the churches and let them know, I'm paying attention to what you're doing. I can see that you left your first love. To another, he said, I can see that you have Satan's throne there. To another, day, he said, I can see that you suffer that woman Jezebel to have a place there. Over and over again, Ezekiel tells the children of Israel, repent and come back to God. John tells the covenant people in the church, if you don't overcome, trouble is coming your way. But if you do overcome, your name will be written down in the Lamb's book of life. You'll be given a white stone with a new name written on it. God always has a system in which if you obey, you reap the benefits of obedience. God doesn't play with our emotions. 
And when he says to the children of Israel, if you overcome, your name won't be blotted out. Put it in reverse. If you don't overcome, your name will be blotted out. The Lord isn't playing with people. He's not teasing us. He says things that he means. So he expects us to walk with him. So I want you to understand in this brief little message that with Ezekiel and John in their visions, these were people who saw God in a great way. And because of that, they could proclaim it to the nations confidently. Now, I told you that Ezekiel got a vision of that throne. Look at Revelation chapter four. You can see where around the throne there in verse 7, 8, and 9 are described these beasts, these cherubim. Ezekiel got a glimpse of the very thing that John himself was able to see. And oh, how beautiful it must have been for him to get a glimpse of all of that. To see that wonderful throne as it was put together and to know that this is where our father is seated. And Jesus Christ is seated at his right hand. He says in Revelation 4 and 2, immediately I was in the spirit. I saw a throne set there in heaven. Verse number 3, and a rainbow round about that throne. Ezekiel just told us he saw a rainbow. So here we are again. So these individuals in different time frames are getting a glimpse of the same thing. Now This is inspired. This is infallible. This is the biblical record. Even though you can't see it with your natural eye, it doesn't change the fact that this exists. One day we're all going to make it into eternity. And as sure as we're doing this study right now, looking at these comparisons, there are 24 elders casting their crowns before the Father's throne. And there are creatures around that throne saying, holy, holy, holy. That is the one outstanding characteristic of God that you don't ever want to forget. The Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit because that's his role. We'll get into that in the next teaching. He's not called the loving spirit. He's not called the faithful spirit. Nothing wrong with any of those adjectives, but he's called the Holy Spirit because he's God, the Holy Ghost, a representation of the holiness of God. We ourselves are to live our lives in that way. So praise the Lord. We want you to know if you get visions of God, I'm not talking about going to sleep, having a dream. I'm talking about you seeing God in this book, visions of the Lord working in Genesis, visions of the Lord working in Exodus and all throughout the Bible. If you have those visions and read this book and believe it, God will give you a perspective of him you've never had before. Your conviction will be strong. And I can promise you, you'll be able to talk not only to the nations, but to your neighbor. The quickest way to get around the world is to start shaking hands with your neighbor across the back fence. And from there, you can go across the street. From across the street, you'll go to the next town. And from the next town, you'll go to the big city. And from the city, you'll go to the next state. But God wants us to one by one tell people about the king. And if each one reaches one, we tell folks about the king and we spread the gospel all around the world. Let me pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful that in your word, you've given us Ezekiel and John to talk to us about the last days. Help us, God, in these last days to have strong convictions and to share our faith with other people. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise